Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Two Fit Podcast, hosted by the Two Fit guys, Jake and Josh. Now, Two Fit, by definition, is actively pursuing a state of health and well being beyond perceived limitations. So, if you're looking to push the boundaries of performance mentally, physically, and everywhere in between, then you have come to the right place. On the Two Fit Podcast, we will be interviewing and having fireside chats with renowned experts from doctors and strength and conditioning coaches to athletes and entrepreneurs. Our goal is to extract tools and tricks of the trade that you can implement, whether you're a world-class athlete, weekend warrior, entrepreneur, or grinding out the eight to five, all in order to assist you on your journey to becoming Two Fit. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Two Fit Podcast. And I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered what professional athletes did for workouts during the season, off season, what their sharpening carts look like, what they did for longevity and performance, and what kind of access or technology they use to heal their bodies, make them stronger, recover faster? Well, today... We get to pick the brain of a man who can take you behind the scenes. And he is the head strength and conditioning coach of one of the most storied franchises in professional sports history. That is the 16-time NBA champion, Los Angeles Lakers. And today, we have their head strength and conditioning coach, Tim DeFrancesco, on the show. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This will be fun. Heck yeah. Well, yeah, we've, Tim, been, we've been looking forward to this to, for a while. So Yeah, I know. This is, this is a busy Likewise. man. We had to book this uh, way in advance. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it could be tricky with, uh, with all the, uh, the travel and, and whatnot during the course of the season. But um, unfortunately, now we're, uh, we're, out, we're out early while the playoffs are started. It gives us a chance to do this podcast. So there's a silver lining in everything, right? Oh, man, Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, well, sorry to hear that, but we're glad you're here. We're glad we get to sit down with you, pick your brain a little absolutely, bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks so, a lot, selfishly, guys. Selfishly, we'll take yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's right. That's right. So for people who don't know, give a, a little bit of your background, just kind of how does one go from from where you started to, to you know personal training, PT, to now the head strength and conditioning coach of the, the dynasty, the L.A. Lakers? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think if, if you – Boil it all down, and if I really hold my own feet to the fire and, and, and say, well, what, what, how the heck did I get here? It, it probably, um, it all stems from a, a passion and, and a, a, a drive to solve problems. So I, I guess I've, I've had that instinct and that, that curiosity and, and that, um, that drive to, to, Figure out how to solve problems when they're in front of me uh, from uh, as as early back as I can remember, and then you combine that with the typical uh, typical young kid who loves athletics and and loves to compete. And I was faced with a problem, which was I was 
short, I was slow, and and I couldn't really jump, but I, I, I had to figure out how to compete and how to play sports as long as I could competitively. And and so I guess it, you know that that really becomes the the, the story of, of what led up to me getting here and, and solving that problem for myself, uh, trying to figure out how am I going to make it to the pros. And so I, I, I never really put on a jersey at the pro level, but I, I did end up making it to the pros via figuring out that problem for myself as long as I could and then and then ultimately turning that into leaving no stone unturned in how do you solve that problem for for the pros that, that do make it. And mm-hmm. and not only that, but humans in general. And I, I always go back to this thing where I, I believe in it very strongly, which is, you know, every every human is an athlete and every athlete is a human. So, you know, that that's sort of what drove me. And, and along the way, what the, the steps that I took there was, well, what what in my toolbox do I need to be able to help humans enhance their performance ecosystem the most and and to to the utmost of my ability. So uh, my first step uh, curriculum wise along the way was undergrad in athletic training and college um, outside of Boston. From there, I I went directly into uh, uh, PT school at UMass Lowell. um, And so got my doctorate in physical therapy. And then from there really dove, took those two backgrounds and dove full head head of steam full full bore into the performance and strength and conditioning world uh, for me i felt like that was my my greatest hammer in in terms of being able to affect change in that performance ecosystem for uh, whatever person i was uh, fortunate enough to be able to be be working with um, so i i worked as a physical therapist outside of boston at a traditional sports medicine clinic for about three years out, out of PT school and was also at the on, on the side really developing my time in the trenches of the strength and conditioning performance world in a, in, in a, um, a small scale way uh, as I was developing TD Athletes Edge, which was my platform and 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 um i have two partners that have uh worked with me from day one on that uh, my brother scott de francesco and and jed sturman who um we we grew up together trying to solve these problems together and and um and so td athletes edge began to develop at at at, at the same time as i was working as a physical therapist and and we were working at, with with people um, outside of Boston, at a, at a in a in a small um, a small space, and 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 doing big things though, and 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 really loving that opportunity to do that. Um, and around three years into the, doing both of those things simultaneously, uh, I had an opportunity to take a job with the Bakersfield Jam, an NBA D League team in Bakersfield, California, and it, it, it was. It was really exciting for me because I, I had explored a lot of different um, uh, 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 opportunities or venues within the, the sports medicine, rehab, and, and performance world of, of more of a private setting, uh, but had not really spent a lot of time in the team setting. So 
the I, I jumped on the opportunity to pack up and, and go to Bakersfield, California, and um, uh, I worked for the Bakersfield gym as a head athletic trainer and strength and conditioning coach for two seasons um, before I then had realized I was basically put myself in the right place at the right time, doing the right things, where we became affiliated with the Lakers in Bakersfield, and I had some interaction with their staff and the legendary Gary Vitti, uh, head athletic trainer of the Lakers for 30-plus years. And, and, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it translated into they, they were looking for a, a person to run their weight room with a perspective of movement assessment, movement quality, awareness, and translating that into strength and conditioning and performance. And I, I had put those I had put those skill sets into my toolbox and 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 the next thing I knew it was uh, I, I was the head strength and conditioning coach for the for the Los Angeles Lakers. So um, there's there's the maybe not so quick, but the 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 quickest version of, of how I how I got here today uh, that I can get you. That's a great overview, Tim. You mentioned kind of early on there this you were trying to solve these problems. Would you mind kind of going into and, and listing what some of these problems were? And also, you you mentioned this performance ecosystem. Would you kind of define that for folks? Yeah. So first, the, these problems. I mean, it's it can be debilitating it can be overwhelming and frustrating for a young athlete who is trying to learn the the movement skills the the uh fine motor skills and and just the ins and outs of being an athlete and and you're just sort of thrown out there like okay figure it out score a goal make a basket you, you get a rebound and and just and and, and so I, you know, every young athlete starts with at a different developmental stage, and and um, physically, and 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 everything else, and and so, I mean, whatever it is, I, I think that <clears throat> the that every young athlete can sit down and list a few areas where they're like, well, I I just I need to improve in this area, whether it's. I need to get more speed. I need to improve my my jump shot. I need to, um, you know, be able to jump higher. I need to uh, just n- not get injured every other game. I whatever it is. So so I think I was faced with lots of those, if not all of those problems. And 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 I think a lot of athletes have at least can say at least one of those is is something where it's it's. If for them to continue to advance and do the thing that they love, um, perform at a high level, that they, they've faced one of those problems. So those are fascinating to me. Those are that that solving those problems is 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 part of the deal. Like no athlete should go into it being like, well, what's wrong with me? I don't have it all figured out. Of course you don't. And and and, uh, and we all have all different physical histories and backgrounds and all that stuff that led up to you stepping on the field. So there's no way everybody just steps on and is perfectly ready to go. Um, and and so yeah, that that whole problem set is is uh, 
it, it drives my passion and to, to be able to help people because what's better than being able to put it all together and, and go out on the field uh, and, and perform and compete at a high level and, and walk away knowing that you didn't leave any stone unturned of that performance ecosystem. So there's the second part of your question. And, and to me, that's, that's like everything that's mind, body, soul, the whole deal. And, and what goes into that is not just getting reps in the gym. That's a tiny little piece. It's, it's, um, what what foods are you are you uh, putting in regularly? What what are you doing for sleep? What are you doing for recovery? Um, what are you doing to uh, develop and and maintain a, a, a really um, focused and and calm mind? Because you need that when you're out there on the field, and 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 so that is. Um, that's that what I'm referring to when I say that performance ecosystem. It's it's everything under the umbrella that allows uh, a, a human to be an athlete and an athlete to be a human. Yeah, well said. So I know a lot of people get into PT thinking that they're going to be working with athletes and, and, you know, they want to. But a lot of PT, I think, is, you know, kind of the stigma is, is helping grandma out after her fall, you know, her broken yeah. hip. And I've heard some horror stories about, you know, some PTs helping grandma up off the chair and ends up uh, wetting their new pair of dockers and <laughs> other things. But uh, so it's not exactly the life that they were planning. But it sounds like was was TD Athletes Edge kind of your segue out of that to working with athletes, or were you always working with athletes? Yeah, no, it, it definitely was. I mean, going in PT school, you have an opportunity to explore all the different settings that that exist in the rehab and, and physical therapy world so i spent time in in neuro settings i spent time in pediatric settings i spent time in geriatric settings um to be really honest with you there's i i look back on experiences and time in each of those settings and 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 extremely thankful that i had that opportunity to 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 get valuable time and 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 look back on on just some of the really rewarding aspects of those uh, settings, and and you know that being said, there was just always this youth athlete, you know, scratching and clawing somewhere inside of me, saying, you know, let's figure out the the um, the athletic ecosystem performance puzzle and and yeah. and so um there's a ton of things that i actually take away from those rehab based settings geriatric pediatric neuro based settings that that i now use in the athletic um when i'm training you know higher level athletes um and and so i, I think that that was extremely valuable extremely necessary for me to have and I just realized pretty early on that for me to, to honestly say I, I put my hat on and I go to work in the area of, of direct passion and, and drive for me, it, it, it probably has to be including, not, not only, but including uh, working with, with higher level athletes and, and helping that, uh, that that young athlete solve solve the puzzle of the performance ecosystem. Tim, what was your first day like on scene as the head of strength and conditioning coach for the Lakers? Were you ready? 
I'm coming in with a plan where you I'm gonna come in slow, I'm gonna kinda meet everyone, evaluate. I mean what what was that day like? So I walk in and one of the first people I come come across is is, is Kobe Bryant and and um, a couple people have heard of him probably. So uh, so I'm like just shaking in my boots but trying not to show it, right? And and I go up to him with my hand extended about to say some um, professional and, and, and uh, very uh, calculated, uh, it's an honor to, to meet you and I'm looking forward to doing great things with you type of uh, fluff statement. And um, he slaps my hand out of the way, brings me in for a huge hug and, uh, and, and is like, Get the hell out of here with that <laughs> that uh, that stuffy clinic based stuff. Welcome to the team, and and so you know, for for a guy like that to to welcome me in in a, in a way like that, I it, it quickly brought me down to to earth and 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 got me to where I needed to be, and and. Um, immediately away from that fan in me to to okay, I'm I'm here to do work and and they're welcoming me welcome welcoming me in with my skill sets to 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 do that. So it was uh, I I won't forget that. What's it like having that responsibility of knowing that guys like Kobe and Jeremy Lin, Steve Nash, that that their well being is basically in your hands. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, there's no way around it. I'm. You're. You're going to sense this this uh, level of pressure and and focus that's necessary to do that. I I do think that <clears throat> along my stops, um, I I did my my best. I did my my absolute damnedest to to make sure that. Before I ever had an opportunity to work with a guy like Pau Gasol, Kobe Bryant, etc., I, I always treated each person I was working with as if I as if I was working with with Kobe Bryant. And um, you know whether I succeeded in that every single uh, time I worked with with someone. I, I don't know, but I, I gave I, I I tried as hard as I could to do that, and and so because of that, I, I think I, I had already put the pressure on myself to to help that person solve their performance ecosystem um, prior to ever working with these guys who are headed for the Hall of Fame, and and so because of that, I, I think I was prepared to just carry on my approach that I had always believed in. Tim, this question may kind of be all over the place, but I think from the outside looking in, you see that these players, play, they play 82 games. You see them four or five days a week, sweating on the court, playing 30-plus minutes a game. And you wonder, where do they have time to train and travel? How do they, how do they fit this all in? And it seemed like you were kind of going there with, I would assume, you said you, you uh, coached everyone like they were Kobe Bryant. And I would assume that everyone had a very individualized approach and specific workouts tailored to them. 
how do you go about not just the whole team, but even down to the individual with 82 games fitting all this in? What's kind of a day in the life of coaching them look like to get them to work out, to get them healthy for a game? I mean, it just seems like there's the schedule has got to be packed. It's it's outrageous. I mean, it's I, I'm sitting there as the season's going on, and, and I mean when you get down to it, essentially I'm just handing these guys dumbbells and <laughs> they're out there doing all this stuff and, and, and playing 30, 40 minutes. And, and I'm, I'm exhausted. I mean, I I'm waking up peeling myself out of bed and I sure as heck didn't play 35 minutes or, or play a game that went into overtime and, and uh, in, in a different time zone the night before. So, yeah, what you're talking about is is a real thing, and it's it's something that if if you until you've experienced it firsthand, I've been an NBA fan my whole entire life as far back as I can remember. I thought I knew what the deal was. I get two weeks into my job here, and I realize I had no idea what the deal was when it comes to the travel, the 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 grind of it all. And so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a real thing what you're referring to. It's, it's something that uh, every player, every staff person has to figure out what, how, how they're going to handle and, and, and stand up to the, to the grind. So sort of getting into another part of your question, what that means is if you're going to, if you think in a, a person in my position is going to sit down and write a program for a month or, or, or a season or an off season, um, even and, and have months worth of, of training patterned and programmed out, uh, you're out of your mind. Um, you can have a guide and a, and an idea of where you need to head and what you need to accomplish. But there's curveballs around every corner and you wake up basically every day and it's a new it's it's a it's a whole new it's it's like you know you're starting from scratch in some cases and so you better be able to uh uh you better be able to sit back and hit that curveball if if you're if you're gonna be be able to to last and to to Excel not only in my position but but as a player and and so so yeah it's it's a constant reevaluation it's a daily sort of dialogue that you're having with each individual player which is getting into another part of your question there's no way that you, I could just put together a program and say this is going to be what 15 guys on the roster do this season or today for that matter and and um, that would that would just not solve those those ecosystem problems that that performance ecosystem problems that each individual has, which are all different. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think what the the way around that is, I have to be extremely flexible. I think strength coaches in general tend to want to be and and tend to be pretty regimented uh you know pretty good at planning and programming and and having things all laid out to to here's what we're going to do um that doesn't that doesn't cut it in this that's not going to work in this specific environment um doesn't mean you you just 
randomly waking up and throwing a, a dart at the wall, but but it, it 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 requires flexibility to be to be a little bit less structured in in planning you know months in advance and what you're doing. Uh, it, it, that piece is is key, and then the second piece is you, you've got to be able to communicate, have a relationship, develop a relationship, and connect with each individual player because the the best and the only way that you can really get information on your plate and on your table as far as well, what is our next step going to be, is to hear from the player what they're going through, how they're feeling, what they're dealing with. Uh, physically, emotionally, um, whatever it might be, all those things are going to change your next move, and um, and so that constant dialogue with the players is absolutely the the foundation of 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 what I do. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like so. We have a friend who's a, a personal trainer, and he only has maybe a handful of clients. But what he'll do, he actually goes to their home, and and he really just dives in to those relationships, right? And they, they pay him a, a crazy rate for it because of it, and he's so good at it. But what he'll yep. do, he doesn't write a program in advance at all. He just shows up, yep. watches how they're moving, and then he's going to take them through a workout based on that. But he knows yep. what they've done before. You know, yep. He knows what, what they're going to be doing, kind of you know, overarching anyway. So it's, it's kind of a bit like that as well, you're saying. I mean, it's not like you're going at it blindly. You know that they played these 35 minutes. You know that right. they... Et cetera, et cetera, but right. it's it's a daily thing. Well, it's it's a great point. It, it, essentially, what I'm talking about is that method and that approach to training and helping somebody solve their performance ecosystem uh, hurdles or log jams is a, has to be applied at every single level, and and that's not like a new thing that I just started doing when I got to work the Lakers, right. Um, and if you look at all the great expert clinicians that, that are out there and, and, and strength coaches and, and everything in between, they all, that's a common denominator. None of them overlook that step. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get into a little bit of, uh, of how you train these guys. What's your, your training philosophy? Yeah. So the, the deal is. I have to prepare these guys to have robust enough musculoskeletal systems to withstand the rigors of that crazy grind that we just discussed. And basketball specifically is, is, has a high-impact, high-octane, high-power, explosive-based sport. So there's very little – shock absorption and, and added equipment or padding to, to take any of the, the load of that. <clears throat> so it's not about me putting an extra five inches vertical leap on a guy who can already jump halfway out the gym. It's about me making sure that he's physically capable of stepping on the court night in, night out, withstand those loads Go to bed and do it again. Mm. Um, and and so they're super skilled at what they do. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't have made it this far in, the, in, in their sport. Um, it's my job to make sure that they can go do their skill. 
And, and, uh, and so my experience and my knowledge of the, you know, of, of the, uh, overall training and, and strength and conditioning core principles that exist always lead me back to this idea that in order to do that, you have to move efficiently. You have to have some semblance of movement literacy um, uh, without excessive asymmetry. Um, and you have to then progressively and responsibly add resistance stimulus to the structures of not just the muscles, but the support structures of the musculoskeletal system in order for them to respond and grow in, in strength and, and ability to endure uh, high competitive loads. So there's, there's kind of move right and, and, and move slash lift heavy things <laughs> is how you could uh, describe that part of, of my philosophies. Um, now, in order to get more granular than that, we, we've got to realize the population of people we're working with. We're working with a bunch of really tall, lean guys for the most part who have very little weight room experience and skills. And even by the time they get to the NBA, oftentimes basketball players at the pro level have done a lot of playing basketball and not a lot of skilled weight room in the trenches time. And it's just, it's just the culture of the game. It's, it's the nature of the game. It's, it's, it, there's never an off season anymore. Every player is just playing pickup or playing some summer league baseball, bat, basketball. And then the season starts and you play all season long and, and you can, throw the discussion about AAU into the mix where, where a kid gets done with a 20-game high school season and they go into a 40-game AAU season. So because of that, I'm, I'm really starting from scratch with these guys, teaching them how to move and teaching them how to lift heavy things the right way. And it's my job to progressively overload those structures in a responsible way where they – are, are getting the stimulus they need to have the support structures, the tendons, the ligaments, and the bones, probably much more important than actual re response of, of, of the muscles and hypertrophy to, to some extent, um, because those are the support, those support structures are what's going to carry them throughout a, uh, uh, an entire NBA season. So boiling that all down, I mean, it looks like some pretty basic, stuff when you walk into my weight room guys are are learning lunge patterns they're they're starting on the floor learning um how to how to use their core to move their limbs better um they're they're learning squats and and deadlift hip hinge patterns and um and and learning the correct way to do push-ups engaging your glutes engaging your core um i mean it's it's not it's not like I'm over here inventing exercises and, and, and trying to create uh, YouTube sensations with, with guys just because they have a crazy amount of athleticism. Um, that's, that's quite the opposite. And Tim, you actually led me into my next question there, which was going to be how do you find the balance, uh, especially with a busy schedule like this for everyone, 
involved. How do you find the balance between correcting their movement and getting them stronger? And I know some of that overlaps, but do you have them go through a session where it's it's primary, primarily focused on movement, and then you have a session that's devoted, okay, we worked on your movement, now we're going to get stronger, and you just kind of build and build and build upon that? <laughs> it, it, it's a tough one. I mean, that, that, that's that's part of this this puzzle, this this um, – because I would what what I'm thinking is I would assume it's very difficult to have a guy working on his squat pattern or lunge pattern, and then at the same time you want to place him under some load to like you said build up that structure. Yeah, you can't right. I mean, you can't just uh, the next month we're going to learn the squat pattern and and just do a bunch of whether you like it or like the term or not a, b- a bunch of uh you know corrective based exercises uh that's that's ignoring the the progressive resistance loading that that they that the the structures need to be able to be strong enough once they do move better uh, so if you get them moving better but you haven't been loading the structures that's not going to completely prepare them so so yeah i mean i i think that if you talk to any uh, movement skilled uh, clinician in terms of uh, assessing and quantifying um, improving movement, they'd all tell you that if you if you're going to wait until it's all perfect, you're you're going to be in trouble. So it's like okay, I need to be able to see we have a certain semblance of uh, requisite movement literacy and quality, then we can move directly into loading. Now, there's typically a way always around uh, being able to, okay, we haven't hit that requisite level yet, but we're getting close and there's other ways to not to not um, exacerbate a, a poor movement pattern while still loading certain structures. So that that could that could be something like if a guy has not quite hasn't quite learned a, a really really solid hip hinge pattern to where they can keep everything on point from neck all the way down to to feet. If I loaded them up with a bar in front of them, but we can develop some of those hip hinge structures and, and support structures that are involved in the hip hinge by, by doing a, a hip thrust or a bench bridge, uh, they're not having to stand up necessarily and, and train in a default pattern or position before they're ready, but they're learning that hip hinge with a dumbbell or barbell on their hips. Their, their back is, is propped on a, on a bench and, and they're learning the action of the hip hinge starting to load the structures. So, I know uh, you're you're an NSCA guy, right? Yeah, 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 so absolutely. I, yeah, I went I went through mine, got my CSCS just this past year as well, and I know they really like the uh, the sports specific training aspect. I know they teach that, and I've heard some other things, read some other deals that you know a lot of people quite frankly think it's you know it's kind of quackery. <laughs> you know, they think that there should just be like you're saying, just some some foundational functional movements that you can train, and that's going to equate to athleticism basically no matter what sport or anything you're playing 
Yeah. So kind of just take me through your thoughts on, on sports-specific training and if that's something that you uh, you adhere to. Right. I, it's, it's, I think that the, the term of sports specificity and, and sports-specific based training, it does get overblown. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a fundamental set of movements and, and strength qualities that every athlete needs across that, that, that just overlaps all sports. And, um, you know, a great example is, well, does a, um, you know, does a bo- would a bowler need to do sprints? Why, 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 how is that sport specific? Well, I mean, I don't know a lot about bowling, but they do have a moment where they have to produce a, a high level of power, get the ball heading towards the pins with enough velocity to make them all not fall down. Right. So, so you could argue that doing sprints once to twice a week for a bowler is sport specific because sprinting is going to help them develop that, um, that moment of power that they need when they release the ball. Um, there's also a deceleratory moment when they release the ball in, in bowling where having to decelerate from sprints could absolutely apply to uh, training that sport sport specific skill. So that's a wacky kind mm-hmm. of analogy that it, it, you know is is a little bit extreme. But I, I mean, if you wanted to, we could argue why that is is is. Uh, why that applies. And, and so, um, so I, I think that for me, I, 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 of course there's, there's with basketball players being as tall as they are and, um, different sports have, have certain qualities and, and requisites that are more specific to that sport than you might not find in another sport and, and so on and so forth. But ultimately, the ability to do a to to squat, to lunge, to hip hinge, and to move loads in certain patterns, um, it's pretty easy to argue where they all are sport specific to every sport. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that, Tim. I like that dig into a little bit on the strength training aspect. I know you mentioned earlier, you know, having these tall athletes, have, having these strong structures. And um, I read an article recently where it was about sports specificity. And and you mentioned it with the AAU thing and kids just playing all the time and growing up, and they kind of lack this uh, bone density, right? You know, they don't have the strength in their bones and their joints and tendons and ligaments. And I don't think it's it's not just for athletes, but even like just our listeners out there, there seems to be this, I don't know if it's changed, it doesn't seem to have changed, but this long-term misconception that somehow doing strength work is going to damage our bones or joints and people are kind of afraid of it, you know? And it's one of those things, finding balance in life, I think yoga's great, I, I enjoy it, but I think I also love to front heavy front squat or be under a barbell. I think finding balance in life, not just for these athletes, but in life, 
Um, could you touch on the, the massive benefits of training heavy or somewhat heavy? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is something where our industry, I'm, I'm actually presenting essentially on what you're talking about at the NBSCA, uh, National Basketball Strength and Conditioning Association Continuing Education Conference in in a few weeks uh, on on this idea of what is it that makes these support structures you mentioned bones specifically I would throw ligaments and tendons in there what what is what is it specifically that makes them more robust because those are what allow us to go out on a daily basis and be an athlete which by the way an athlete a human is an athlete and and athletes are humans uh, so so everything I'm talking about here it, it doesn't just apply to the Lakers roster. It, it applies to every – as long as your listeners are all humans, they're all athletes. And and so I, I think in our industry, we've done what we typically do is, is overreact in the short run and underreact in the long run, get excited about a new idea, a new method of doing things and, and, and arguably overreact to it. This idea of, of using different stimuli, bands, and, and, and uh, lots of balance apparatuses and, and different um, modes of working out or breaking a sweat or challenging the, the human body, none of them are bad, and all of them have a place. The, the, the problem is you can't just disregard the tried and true aspect of getting under the bar, moving heavy weight, and and the stimulus that that provides to the bones, to the ligaments, to the tendons, it can't. You can't get rid of that. I mean, that that is ultimately what is going to allow them to react and, and respond. And we just don't think of those structures. We we think of those structures as. We don't think of them as reactive structures that they can react to a stimulus the same way. We, we all know if you work a muscle, it'll get bitter, bigger. It'll, it'll react to that stimulus. Um, we don't think of those sort of static structures as, as, as being able to do that, but they absolutely do. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you, you, it doesn't mean that Everybody has to be has to go be able to go show up at a deadlift competition and a, a powerlifting competition and, and uh, uh, do what it, do what it takes to compete at that. Um, but it 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 definitely does mean that doing some semblance of progressive resistance training exercise is absolutely critical to that musculoskeletal system and and all the support structures that go along with it and um i i think that as an industry uh we've we we may be overlooking that uh the necessity of that to to some extent um so yeah you mentioned there's some you know the industry kind of tends to to overreact in the short term and it kind of underact in, in the long term. Are there any other areas that kind of come to mind that you think the the strength and conditioning industry is failing athletes? Uh, yeah, I I think that 
we're in this no man's land right now with monitoring loads, uh, technology, wearable devices. Uh, we're like a we're like a, a a newborn baby who's who's laying on their back looking up at the the carousel and they're just mesmerized by all the different shapes, bells and whistles. And we don't know what the hell we're looking at, and we don't know why it looks cool or what it's going to do for us in a lot of cases. So we're in that state of being mesmerized by what's out there maybe getting away from some of the 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 bigger more important things um like teaching somebody how to cook or or what it means to be properly hydrated or just knowing how to navigate walk through a grocery store or navigate walk through and do a great job in the weight room I mean, before we start putting all these things and, and gadgets and, and, and technology pieces onto our athletes, have, have you covered those areas? Because if, if you haven't, then I, I, we, can't, we can't afford to, to skip over that. It's, it's our responsibility. It's our job to make sure every athlete is, is covered in those fundamental areas and, and um, it, you know, have you have you had a discussion with your client or with your athlete about what it means to have a, a high level of sleep hygiene and, and quality? Um, or did you just say, well, there's a cool new gadget that you can wear on your wrist and it'll tell us how you sleep? Because because that gadget is not going to help them sleep better. Your ability to coach them and to guide them in that uh, in those fundamental things like let's get the TV out of your bedroom. I mean, that's going to be a lot more valuable than putting a, a, a thing on their wrist and seeing how many times they move their wrist around when they slept. Um, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to sound like I'm. I'm against technology and and the evolution of of the where where you're merging technology with the sports performance ecosystem because it's absolutely necessary and it's fascinating and it's it, it, it's it's happening at a rate that's faster than anybody could imagine, but. Uh, we, we need to we need to make sure we're not losing sight of these fundamentals and 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 failing our athletes in that way. Tim, let's shift gears a little bit, and uh, you started to bring it up there, but let's focus on the nutrition aspect. That's a whole other part of your job that I know you're very passionate about. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but has earned you the nickname "Grass Fed Tim." Um, yes. So yes, let's, thanks, uh, thanks, uh, thanks to Meta World Peace, uh, formerly Ron Artest. <laughs> he, might, he might be Panda's friend now. I don't know what his name is, but uh, uh, he, whatever his name is, he, he he stuck that name on me, and I haven't ever lived it down. Leave, leave it up to Ron Artest to come up with a nickname, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, one of my favorites right there. So, is there a specific um, nutrition or like dietary protocol that that you follow or recommend for? kind of your general athletes or population? Yeah, so I, I think that my fascination and my passion with why I ended up earning that nickname from, from Meta and, and why I'm always talking about the foods and the, the, the approach to eating being important is it, it goes back to as far as I can figure out. It, I, I can remember my mom and my aunt cooking dinner. I was doing something in the kitchen or in the other room, but I could hear their conversation that were talking about how 
every time they eat kale, they just feel better and they feel like they have a better day the next day at what they're doing. And, and so some, for some reason that, that stuck with me. And that was, let me, let me remind you, that was before kale became the, the thing that it is right now, where it's like, you know, kale is in our brownies now and, and stuff. So, um, it, it, it's a side that, of Chick-fil-A, Tim. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was before kale was as we know it. And and, and so my mom, my mom and aunt were, were on to something way before they were way ahead of their time. And and, and uh, that was – I don't know. That, that stuck with me. It's like holy crap. There's really a link between what we're putting in and and what we're getting out, and and there really is, and that's 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 that was just really intriguing to me, and and so in terms of a specific approach for us, we work with who I consider to be the best uh, metabolic uh, nutrition uh, expert and and translating nutrition into performance expert in in the world which is dr kate shanahan and um dr kate is uh she's a medical doctor who really has this understanding of the fundamental processes biology and and physiology of the human body and how the nutrients we provide impact that and and then how you translate that into high performance so we've we've worked with dr kate for four plus years now and i think if you boil down what our approach is and what dr kate has helped us to understand as really important areas we're talking about a, getting guys to recognize where some of the the really sneaky and 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 just um, debilitating evils lie in in some of the foods. So for us, that's a matter of educating guys on on just how much sugar added, refined excess sugar that you're taking in, and what that does to the support structures. So if we just go back to those structures, we all agree are really important in, in a person being able to perform at a high level at anything. Those tendons, those ligaments, and those bones, they don't they, – they basically just get more brittle the more you douse them with, with excess sugar. And, and so it's obviously a bit more complicated than that, but I think that's where we just need to understand ultimately what's going on and, and – Additionally, these these oils these um, these oils that are in just about everything that we eat, um, you know, we're talking canola, corn, soy, cottonseed oil. Uh, those are vegetable oil. Those are some of the t- terms and the big ones that that are just in practically everything. Those things are just creating this low level amount of inflammation in in our body, which over the course of a day or a week is no big deal. But over the course of a, an athletic career or, or a 30-year lifetime, 
it becomes a big deal on 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 if we're if we're just talking about those support structures even and it goes further than that it, it goes into the cardiovascular system and those those structures that are involved with that system as well but different topic for a different day um so really getting guys to recognize those things and and where they live and where they exist and how they can avoid them then understanding how to be more flexible in in your fuel systems. So there's two things the body can burn for fuel, fat or sugar. Um, If you talk to any person, they all want to basically burn some fat and gain a little muscle and and in in some way, shape or form. And so if... To me, if, if everybody is looking to burn some fat and, and I, I mean, then we need to evaluate what we're telling our athletes, which is typically uh, the line that I grew up being taught to teach to guide athletes in is, is athletes need to carbo load. And, and, um, and so are we paleo? Are we no carb? Are we low carb? Uh, are we, you know, completely ketogenic diet, all these things? No, no, we're not. That's not what we're doing. Um, that doesn't, neither of those, none of those, uh, exact systems fit perfectly into our environment, but some pieces of, of all of them do for sure. And, and, and so you, you've got to be able to, as an athlete, be flexible in your, your fuel system utilization, meaning at, at, you know, are you are you skilled? Is your body prepared to burn fat when it needs and when it should and when it needs to? Because that's a more typically a more efficient fuel source in the long term. Um, and is it capable of flipping over and burning sugar stores when it needs to tap into that? Um, maybe it needs that during short burst activities or whatever it might be. So if you're just going to constantly carbo load you're you're it's it's like the analogy would be you you're looking for a strong back and and set of shoulders but all you do is bench press hmm. you, you you're not if you're not doing any rows in your training how, how are you going to get a strong back by doing all push exercises so so same thing with the fuel source utilization i mean you have to consume healthy fats in order to teach your body how to burn them. So that's that's another piece of what we're doing. Um, I, I think underlying all of this, though, is is perfect example of when I take a guy to a grocery store and say, you know, here's where we're going to start, is in that produce section. So the idea of food being medicine and, and starting in that produce section of, of colorful, green, leafy vegetables and, and fruits that can really help to improve your tissue, your your tissue repair capabilities. Is um, it 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 can't be overlooked, and and so for some guys, it's like, uh, yeah, TD. I mean, I don't know. I I once ate a piece of broccoli because my mom and dad made me, but since then I I wouldn't even know what the stuff looks like. Um, so it's like, okay, well, wh- where where can we start? I mean. It's a matter of finding maybe for that person, if, if you were to figure out, you know, putting a, a, a couple of pieces of kale into a, uh, a strawberry banana smoothie, 
um, without adding all kinds of extra sugars and sweeteners, um, maybe that's something that 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 person would would start with. But um, for some people, it's like, yeah, I, I enjoy a, a, a good salad, but I mean, I don't really like to eat them too often because it's just like a little lemon and olive oil and, and um, you know, some tomatoes and carrots on my lettuce is boring. It's like, well, look, man, I, I want you to put some healthy cheese on there. Let's find some some almonds or some some nuts that pack a punch for you as well. And and um, maybe we could put some grilled shrimp on there and, and some some other things that that will, you know, hey, if you want to cook some healthy, well-sourced bacon and crumble it up on there, that we're all for that because you need those healthy fats to be able to uh sustain and support the the athletic and human body in general and so uh so yeah there i i better stop myself here because i i can get going for for a while here on this topic no that's great and i mean jake and i did a podcast uh, just the two of us a while back that was that was focused on longevity and eating for performance and and we dove into a couple different diets but primarily focusing more on low carb so if anyone's kind of new to the podcast, uh, we'll put that in the show notes. People can flip back and listen to that episode on kind of the macros and what ketogenic means and some of those details that Tim's touching on here. But all, yeah. all great points, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, it, it again, it comes down to we're not saying no carb or even low carb. We're saying um, let's be carb aware. I, I think that's an important thing is because every single person is a little bit different in how sensitive and, and how much – they need how much, how many, how many, you know, how much uh, overall dosage of carbohydrate that they need to, to function at the level they want to function. And it goes into genetics. It goes into your eating history of your lifetime. It goes into um, all these different things it, it play a role in that. To, to, for me to say, well, we want all our guys to be under 200 grams of carbs per day is ridiculous. Um, there might be some guys that perform their best when that is the case. There might be guys that don't. And so um, it's it's a matter of being carb aware um, and and recognizing where your sweet spot is. Yeah, that reminds me. Anytime we get asked what's our nutritional philosophy, I basically just tell people that that we recommend just using carbs as a tool, basically. That's what they're what they're meant to do. But I, I do want to ask, is this something that changes like on a daily basis? Like are athletes macros changing um, daily or are there their training does it look different based on what they're eating that day i mean how, how do you have them become more metabolically you know flexible like you're talking yeah uh, it's it's uh so stepping back uh, just let me let me bring everybody into like the the trenches of of what it is when you walk into the facility on a on a tuesday morning and we just came off of a back-to-back i mean sure. guys are guys are exhausted they might be pissed off because they they didn't get the minutes they wanted or because we lost or um it, whatever it might be they might have suffered an injury they might have had a uh argument with their their wife before they left left the house about who's going to drop the kid off at daycare i mean so just just wanting to anchor us to the idea that these the the human beings behind the jerseys 
or what we're dealing with. So sometimes the last thing they want to hear is me going and tell them how much of an omelet and how much yogurt they should have on their plate. Get the hell out of here, man. I I, I don't want to hear that shit right now. And so, um, it's 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 less of an exact science and and like this picture perfect nice neat little box that we we have for each guy it's more of a um it's more of a a read and react type scenario on a daily basis now that being said i i usually find that we have a, a breakdown in the locker room of every roster i've been around that's that's like 30 30 30 and 10 Split. So, thirty percent of the guys in the locker room are all in. They're these these early adapters, early reactors that that you know society has outside of a, a, a pro uh, locker room, and 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 they're like, yeah, this is new, this is different. I, I've had trouble navigating the nutrition landscape and and figure out what macros I, I should be hitting, and and it's been really confusing to me. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I'm all in. Let's go. So they're peeling back every layer to the onion. They're like, tell me more, get get me, you know, I want to check in with you every morning. I want you to help me figure this out. Um, there's another 30% that are like, all right, you got my attention. I'll, 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 I'll you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I, maybe I should cut back the amount of um, uh, whatever it is, snicker bars or whatever and, and, and you know maybe I should think about how I can get a, a a good salad in every day if 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 it's one that you can help me put together that tastes really good. Um, you've got another thirty percent, or just they'll they'll just dangle their toes in the water a little bit. It's like all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up at the buffets, assuming you're gonna put mostly really highly sourced foods, and 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 um and there's gonna be good choices for me to make. Then I'm I'm happy to make those choices, but I, I you know other than that leave me alone. And and so then there's 10 percent who don't give a shit. And 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 so you know that that that's that's the truth. You yeah. know that that that's if if you it and and sometimes there's more than 10 percent. You know, uh, but that's that's how it works. And so you've got to. I've always got to be. Uh, able to provide everything I can to that first 30% that are all in. And then I can't just ignore all the, all, you know, the other 70% though. And, and, and so I have to make sure that I'm covering bases for all of them. And, and a lot of times what that means is, Hey guys, the buffet, we're not stripping pancakes and waffles or, or mac and cheese from the, from the, the buffet. That, that, that's, this isn't a dictatorship. It, it's going to be there, but um, at the very least, I'm going to educate you guys on if you want to be more uh, capable of, of uh, and flexible in your fuel utilization and, and, and be careful of making sure you're eating for, for promoting tissue repair and tissue healing, then you want to make less of those types of choices. Um, and, and so that's, that's really our method of, of doing that. It's, it's, it's not it's not about like every guy has like a, a piece of paper on their chair in the morning and says this is what you should eat today in order to be successful. Tim, what's the player in your in your time with the Lakers so far? 
that has been the most dialed in, either either from beginning when you started there to now, or even maybe a guy that y'all just picked up for a year? Who was the the player that was most dialed in on his nutrition? Uh, Nash, Nash, Steve Nash, for sure. Um, Ryan Kelly currently is is exceptional with it, and and Chris Kamen, um when when we had Chris did did an absolutely phenomenal job and and carried it on to um, he he went to uh, Portland the, the Trailblazers after us and and uh, th- those guys I think for me really stand out um, in in being these all in guys like I I absolutely see the link between what I eat and how I perform and. I think, frankly, it was solving a pain point for them. Like they've gone through their entire professional career with everywhere they went, it was a different "quote unquote" nutrition expert who was telling them a different set of rules, and and that's a pain point that every single one of us. I don't care what you know where you're at. If if you have the internet, you you go on and you see the Yahoo ticker change with a new you know set of research or a new article that says, oh, I mean. Bringing up our, our favorite, uh, you know, as we discussed, kale. I mean, there's like now you're seeing articles, could kale be bad for us, right? And so it's like it went from the holy grail of nutrition to maybe it's if it's not prepared right or if it's not from the right soil base or if it's you eat too much of it and, and so on and so forth, is like, could it be bad for us? Like, Give me a break, would you? I mean, what the hell is the deal here? So I, I, I think that I think that a lot of players have that same pain point that that everybody has when it comes to navigating the nutrition landscape. It's it's overwhelming, it's exhausting, and it's it's just you know, everybody is putting opinions out there without putting um, you know, evidence and, and in the trenches based uh, feedback out there and 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 so it it can be really challenging but those three guys are are really dialed in when it comes to that and it's interesting because you you'd think these guys are so well known for their this competitive mentality that they have i know sports psychologists like love studying pro athletes but you're saying that doesn't always always translate to every area of their life is that right yeah when i first got to the lakers very first home game walk into the players lounge area which is connected to the locker room and so let's say there's two hours before game time there's a spread on the table of arena popcorn and within a, an hour of me being there I've got four players who have who are handing 20 to 40 bucks to ball boys having them run to get chicken fingers french fries uh, mini deep just pizzas and even big Macs wow. and 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 so there there's this is something that i think every pro locker room is is faced with is those guys got there oftentimes not making every decision the best way that they could and they were able to get away with stuff because of skill sets genetics um uh, other areas of work ethic as well that over uh, help them to to overshadow other smaller bad decisions. So they figure, well, geez, I, I made it to the NBA. Um, I, I used to have uh, I used to stop at Burger King before every game and get a a, a Whopper and uh, and and uh, an orange soda and um, 
you know, I, I, uh, I did pretty damn good getting there this far. And, and so you're up against that. I mean, that, that it's hard to even argue that sometimes, like, well, how are you supposed to, you know, and, and, and my response is absolutely. I mean, no question about it. You, you've done that, that I can't argue that, but I just want you to be aware that eventually that, um, eventually that ability to, to, to overcome some of those smaller micro poor decisions, well, it, it'll, they'll add up. And, and they're just they're just going into an account right now. Eventually, that that account is going to grow, and 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 a grow and growing that account is not a good thing. And and it'll catch up to you in some way. Maybe it's decreased energy. Maybe it's uh, an injury. Maybe it's um, it, you know your ability to focus is is impaired. Whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys. Look at our roster right now. We've got a, a, a slew of 19 to 24-year-olds. I mean, I, I wasn't making great decisions around every corner when I was 19 or 24. I mean, uh, <laughs> my wife would tell you maybe I'm, I'm still not making great decisions around every corner. But, but uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's the fact of the matter is when that's all the case, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to cover – just bringing it back to another part of our conversations uh, of our conversation, I, I think it's is really being able to recognize the big rocks in the discussion. So, for me to immediately get on a guy who is having a Big Mac on game day, who also hasn't been taught the the skills of the weight room. Um, doesn't understand regular hydration, doesn't understand sleep. I mean, is, is the Big Mac really the biggest issue here? Or, or can I solve a lot more problems just by going into, going to his apartment and, and saying, okay, um, we, first of all, we need some blackout curtains in here. Uh, we need to get you a stack of earplugs if, if the dude next door is banging his music all night. And, uh, we need to drop the temperature down to a more, a more reasonable sleeping temperature uh, for your body. I mean, I could probably accomplish a lot more and, and then we'll worry about the big max later. Tim, what's some of the latest technology that you are a fan of that you guys are using to help athletes either recover or uh, just rehab from just a game, just even if it's not uh, an injury or anything yeah. like that. Um, you know, some things that come to mind are the cryotherapy, um, are you looking at you know blood work very often? Um, I saw right. an article with you and, and Gary Vitti with the 3D scanner. You guys uh, got out out from Germany over at the facility, right. and uh, so just what what are some right. things that you're using that that you do like and that you see working? Yeah, um, so so it's it's a it's an evolving area. It's it's so I mentioned before it's like. It's so it's changing so drastically that that a piece of technology that we looked at uh, three months ago it, it could be it could be obsolete by now and 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 so um, but to answer your question in terms of specifically we we certainly enjoy and utilize the the Normatech units air compression systems that. Uh, 
um, we, we use on, on airplanes and we use in, in the training room, um, post, post workout, uh, post activity to, to create a, um, just a, a, a circulation and, and, uh, a better environment for, for tissue repair and recovery, uh, of, of especially the lower body. Uh, but, but, you know, they have units that, that, uh, apply to upper body, uh, extremities as well. And, and so, um, so that's, that's one of the things, uh, we're in the midst of building a brand new practice facility. So there's, there's going to be a, a cryo, uh, therapy chamber that, that we, we will utilize in, in there. Um, do you currently and, use any uh, like cold, cold and hot pools or contrast? Yeah, absolutely. Right now? Okay. So, so you know, hot, cold uh, contrast tubs and and post workout um, cold tub uh, uh, therapy, absolutely. And and um, uh, so so that's definitely a big piece of it. I, I think just scaling back a little bit though is this idea of the culture that you're 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 setting in your locker room in your in uh, across your roster of valuing recovery strategies is is really important so um we we try to we offer these different recovery strategies and then we keep track of when how often guys are doing them we'll put that on on paper and and we can actually see where guys stack up in terms of basically how much focus and effort they're putting into their recovery strategies and, and it becomes like a scoreboard where if a guy's up here accumulated 40 sessions after the, the first month of recovery uh, strategies and there's a guy who's got two, then you know we need to do a better job of educating that, that guy at, at, as far as why these things are important. Um, but then getting back into uh, – We've also uh, trialed and, and utilized to, to some extent for for our um, to for our ability to get a, a deeper um, insight into what's going on in their body from a fatigue overtraining and, and um, recovery quality standpoint is uh, Massimo a company called Massimo has an O2 saturation monitor that can just be applied to the finger and will tell us information about pulse rate, oxygen saturation levels, uh, both at rest and during activity. And um, just like everything else, I, I mean, for me to sit here and say, like, that's our secret weapon is ridiculous. But uh, it's, it's a tool within our, bot, our, our toolbox that allows us to potentially gain some valuable insight into what's going on with them and, and see trends friends within an individual and see, see, you know, where we might be able to react and, and, and help, um, uh, prevent something versus, um, you know, finding out when it's too late. And is that tool, is that available for the general public? Is that hook up to a computer yeah. or to an app or? Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it's Bluetooth capable device and, um, and yeah, off of the, the Massimo, uh, website, your anybody would be able to purchase that at a relatively uh, quite a, a reasonable price. Okay, great. Yeah, um, I'll put that in the show notes for everyone. Yeah. yeah, we did get to try those Normatec boots one time, and God, they were awesome. Those are incredible. We're so, waiting to wait yeah. to snag a pair of those for sure. Yeah, if you got any, you're not using, or you know, or too small for those guys, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Send them over, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a it's a really nice tool for us. Uh, our our 
athletic training staff and rehab staff in particularly uh, in, in particular they they are up and down out of their seats all uh, all flight long on many of our flights changing them and 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 moving them from one guy to the next because there's just so few windows for us to be able to um, to it, promote recovery with these guys and that that's one way that that we certainly uh, are able to do that we're we're also pretty big fans of the ice bath and the contrast baths how often do you recommend um like how often are your athletes doing that right i it's in this this is a good point because let's take a guy for instance that is uh hates I mean, hates and has not been desensitized to the cold water. So the temperatures that you need to hit, whether whatever it might be, say somewhere between 50, 60 degrees in that cold tub are extremely, it's, it's like, you know, you're, it's like you're putting that person into a, a, a vat of poison. I mean, it's that, uh, it's, it's, it's just something that they're not, that is not enjoyable. Oil to them, and and they just haven't spent time doing cold baths and that kind of thing. Uh, so take take a player who that is the case, and and the the goal of the recovery being to promote recovery, right? And and so instead, you're triggering a uh, a, a flight reaction of uh, within the body uh, to 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 this stimulus that is extremely unenjoyable to them. So with that person, it's, it's a matter of like, I mean, well, what are we doing here? I mean, are we, are we actually promoting recovery or are we creating stress on the individual? Um, and it, it's a matter of usually taking time to, to take that person through warmer temperatures down slowly into colder temperatures, getting them desensitized and used to that environment. But to answer your question, it, it depends on the person. Uh, it, it depends on – there's plenty of information out there to say like you probably can overdo the, uh, the amount of time and frequency that you spend in, in cold tubs depending on what your goals are. Right. So like if you're a, if you're a professional weightlifter – um, you, you're, you're probably not benefiting as much from a daily cold tub after a workout as, uh, you know, as, as potentially an, an NBA guy is. The, another interesting thing is in the off season. So in season to off season, um, you, you, off season is your really your great chance to get this, this training stimulus. And so, if you're, you're constantly finding ways to dampen that, um, and to to you know, uh, even if they are these these high quality recovery strategies, you you may be dampening the the training stimulus that you're trying to get in in the off season. So, you know, if it's the off season, we're, we're going to be promoting that. Uh, you you almost want to hit that overreaching state in the off season much more certainly than you do during the season. So. Uh, a, probably during the season we're, we're not really promoting that as much as as we are just trying to make sure a guy's ready for the second back to back of of a of a um you know 10 day stretch mm, yeah so the things too much of a good thing you know yeah it, it all it, it's, on the bell curve. No, 
nobody wants to hear this, but it, like most things in this industry, it, it depends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just like everything in life, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Well, tell us a, tell us a little bit more about the, the TD Athletes Edge. Yeah. So that's a, a platform that uh, uh, the website for, for that is, is www.tdathletesedge.com. And that, that, that really is the, the, the baby of, of what I talk about, my, my story of, of having to solve my own performance ecosystem problems and, and loving the process of that. Um, that that's really what came out of that is, is uh, TD Athletes Edge is my platform to be able to help others of every level be able to solve that performance ecosystem um, and and optimize it. And so currently, um, we we utilize uh, our our blog to get our ideas and and um, our uh, set of uh, philosophies out so that people can benefit from that. On a, on a regular basis. Uh, I'm also very active on Twitter and uh, Instagram uh, at TD Athletes Edge and uh, Facebook as well. Uh, we have a YouTube channel that, that you can just search on, on YouTube, TD Athletes Edge. And I, I try to put <clears throat> information up there that, that hits across the entire ecosystem of, of, of performance. So it's, it's not just uh, uh, focused on what to do in the weight room. It's not just to focused on what to do in the kitchen, but everything and, and all in between. And so, uh, so that's really my my platform to be able to uh, solve those problems. And that, that's again what, what what my passion drive comes from. And and um, uh, so so yeah, we we love uh, more. We we love to have people. Uh, visiting and, and collaborating with us, and and I use a hashtag oftentimes on social media is is TDAE together, TD athletes edge together, and and my my point is everybody has different areas where they need help and and coaching and guidance and and including myself, and so the bigger the community, the greater the the togetherness of. Of that, the the more support you have in solving those problems, and that's that's what we're about. And Tim, I know you have a kind of a new project launching soon, which is your webinar uh, in the near future. Could you give people a little uh, background and, and and what they can look forward to for those that want to sign up for that? Yeah, so it, that is, uh, I'm I'm really excited about this because I know for me navigating the. The, uh, a career in sports medicine slash rehab slash physical therapy slash strength and conditioning and performance. Um, it's, it's, there's, there's no, uh, cookie cutter recipe that is like, well, these are the things you do to, to get to where you want to be and be successful and, and, and really enjoy this industry of that so many people have a passion for. Um, and, and so with this webinar that we're going to do this summer and, and, you can get more details on this on our website right on the homepage, www.tdathletesedge.com. It's, it's really about me sharing my experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, with uh, what I've gone through at this point. Uh, I would 
honestly admit, or relatively early in my professional career, um, but but within that early uh, uh, part of my career, I, I've I've experienced a fair amount at different levels, and and um, and so I'm I'm excited to be able to share my experiences to be able to help people to navigate that that career path within this industry and 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 really get the most out of your career in this industry whatever it is that is your career super bowl as i i, I want to call it and and um i think that's really important it's important for you as an individual to 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 hear those experiences i know i did i benefited from being a fly on the wall and from pe- picking people's brains and and being a part of uh listening to experts and, and people who were uh, had really figured a lot of it out, and and so I want to be able to relay that back and 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 pay it back for for anybody who is faced with that same set of circumstances. Well, maybe just a, as a little bit of a teaser for that webinar, what would be some maybe your, your parting advice here on on people looking to get into the strength and conditioning uh, realm? That's uh, yeah. So I, I think the the biggest the biggest thing is under understanding the 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 overall landscape, all the different areas of uh, of of where you can go, and uh, when you when you take a, a, a sort of treetop down look at what that is, it's it's extremely vast. There's so many different avenues that you can go from from the rehab area to the performance area to the um, acute response and and um, more athletic training based uh, avenues and and everything all in between that so understanding what the landscape looks like then finding where you believe your your super bowl is where within that is your super bowl there's no right answer to that but but uh, uh, there's there's some ways that you can really break down and and force yourself to to think about where your Super Bowl is within all of that. Um, I also think one other piece is is something we're going to talk a lot about is the the different strategies you can use to develop relationships with the human beings behind. The, the 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 jerseys or the workout clothes or the uh, you, you know whatever it is the, the 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 people on the treatment tables whatever it is uh, in in whatever area you're looking for um, the, the ways that you can really reach deeply and connect with the people of uh, of of the that, that you're working with and that you're guiding is is the foundation of it all. So we're we're gonna get into that and, and a lot more along the the areas of, of things that I've experienced in uh, in the buffet of of sports rehab, medicine, performance and strength and conditioning. Oh, sounds great. Sounds uh really nice for any of those listeners looking to kind of get into that field. Yeah, absolutely. We'd we'd love to have uh, anyone who's who's interested in in uh, joining us for that. Tim, I know we're closing here, but I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to our listeners if we didn't ask one question about how people can jump higher. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if if there's one aspect in the gym that uh, is kind of my forte, I don't have many of them, but it is jumping and. I get it asked a lot, and um, so what's something out there 
whether it's one exercise, three, what's the takeaway for people that want to jump higher? Okay, so the, the, the takeaway is you've, you've got to have, I mean, you have to understand where the power is, is going to be generated from. Um, do you, should you ignore and never do heel raises? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, that's a, you, you need to, to strengthen and, and add progressive resistance to the calf and, and Achilles complex of, of, of surrounding the ankle and the, and the knee. But true power, vertical, explosive development comes from the hips. They need to move well. And they need to be strong and, and, and trained for power. So a quick, easy way to, to do that is to, um, assuming your hip mobility is of a reasonable level, is to pair hip strengthening and, and, and hip building exercises such as squat, deadlift, uh, hip thrust, and, and lunges, pair those with a plyometric type exercise. So again, this is all assuming that you're, you, this isn't going to be the first time that you've ever tried a plyometric based activity and, and you haven't uh, left the ground in the last 20 years. Um, and, and right. So there's a, there's a workup that goes into what I'm discussing here, but disclaimer. Um, exactly. So, so, Pairing those plyometric based, even if we're just talking as something as simple as a uh, a broad jump or a or a box jump floor to box, uh, pairing that with say a, a a front squat or a goblet squat, uh, pairing uh, a broad jump with the, with a, a rack pull or a hex bar deadlift can really get sort of that. It can help your your musculoskeletal system, your neuromuscular system, to really translate the the strength developing nature of the strength exercise into the power uh, and explosiveness based uh, action of of getting up and and jumping. And so um, there there's a there's a quick one for you that you, most most people uh, can can probably uh, start to incorporate responsibly as as uh, as soon as they want to. And when you say pair, you you would mean something like, just for example, four sets of eight of like a hex bar deadlift or back squat and immediately go into, say, some like five box jumps and then and a little recovery period and then another another set. You got it. Yeah. Awesome. Dang. So if you made it this far into this podcast with us, you will now be able to dunk a basketball in no time. <laughs> <laughs> I said it, not me. <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, yeah, we'll link to uh, the website, all your social media stuff. We'll, we'll put the, the webinar and everything in the show notes. Go follow this guy. Connect with him out there. You won't regret it. So thanks, Tim. This has been awesome, man. Yeah, yeah thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, and uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity, and, and you guys are doing great things as well. So keep up your good work and look forward to doing this again soon. Absolutely. Definitely. You got it, man. All right, guys. Until next time. Thanks, Tim. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 2Fit Podcast. This episode is brought to you by 2Fit USA, the sports nutrition company owned and operated by the 2Fit guys. To show our appreciation for you tuning into the podcast, we would like to give you a 10% off your entire order at 2FitUSA.com. 
All of our products are sugar-free, paleo-friendly, gluten-free, non-GMO, and a whole list of other buzzwords. So hop on over to 2FitUSA.com. Don't forget to use your promo code FIT1, that's F-I-T-1, at checkout. We highly value and appreciate your feedback, so please leave a review about the products and the podcast at our website, 2FitUSA.com, under the podcast and products pages. You can also leave a review on iTunes. Now, if we happen to read your review during one of our podcasts, you'll receive a one-month free subscription of all 2Fit products. So write something noteworthy. If not, we probably won't read it anyway. So go leave a review, listen to the next episode, and until next time.